Welcome to episode 83 of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. A bit of a trigger warning before you meet this week's amazing guest. This episode will contain self-harm anecdotes. Candid stories of the sort may trigger some, and resources have been linked in the show notes. If you feel triggered by stories of self-harm, we'll pick back up next week. Otherwise, our story begins in a pool in Hershey, Pennsylvania where a then four-year-old little girl was learning how to swim. This is the story of Taylor Winnett and her difficult relationship with water. Winnett's mother was a swim instructor and introduced her daughter to the pool early. By the age of four, Winnett was competing in swim meets. She found solace in the water and competed for the next 13 years, including individual training for a triathlon. When she got to high school, it was Loyola University, Maryland that recruited Winnett Wynette was ready to continue swimming at the collegiate level until the events of summer 2016. I was swimming 50 fly at an outdoor swim meet for my summer team, and I actually subluxed my thumb. So what that is, is it's just like a partial dislocation. So like it goes out and it comes back. So it's not like, it's not just hanging out, but it, it can be very painful. So I was in a thumb brace and or splint or whatever, and I had to cancel going to nationals. I made nationals for triathlon and I was really bummed about that. And then it was August of 2016. Yeah. Cause I was 17 and I had a good friend at the time, Nick, he had three brothers and we had a jet ski that I begged my dad to get for over a year. And we lived on the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. So I was on, I think the third or fourth brother and we would go up by the Naval Academy and find boats and basically jump their wake. It was really fun. And now looking back, if you look at like professional jet skiers or like legit jet skiers, they don't always sit on like, I don't know what it's called, but they don't sit on it. They're almost like jockeys where like their butt hovers. Well, I was tired. I had blisters on my ankles from holding bracing. So I was sitting on it and we jumped this huge wave and basically it flipped like my our butts made impact and the jet ski flipped and i remember i just turned to matt and i'm like okay we need to go home like i hurt my back there's something going on so we actually my neighbor was out on their boat and they helped us flip the jet ski by like towing it and we were jumping on it so we get home and i'm like okay you know help cleaning up and we grab the paddle board and put it back um by our little house and I, I also slipped on the dock that day too. So I, I usually just say it was the jet ski because I'm pretty sure that was the inciting incident, but it, I, I don't know. So I did not go to school the next day. I remember I actually slept on the floor of our living room because my back hurt so bad. And at the time I was getting injured so often, my dad told me like, hey, if you get injured again, you know, I'm not gonna pay for your swimming. So I kept it a secret. And I just told my mom, like, hey, you know, my back's bothering me. I've done physical therapy for my back before. So I went and saw a chiropractor. And, you know, I did some physical therapy at his office. And he, you know, whatever my spine. And it was just not doing well. He said, you know, you can still swim. But once the pain gets to about, you know, pretty bad, get out of the water. So I, I go to practice every day, 15 minutes, and then get out. Wynette quickly realized that those 15-minute intervals were all her body could complete without excruciating pain. 
something more serious was happening. When Ed had an MRI administered and the findings were more severe than anticipated, two vertebrae, her L5 and S1, were bulging. Not herniated yet, but most likely the source of the pain. Then, two months later, Wynette fell out of a chair during class and found that she couldn't get herself back up off the ground. Her spine was on fire. So my dad came and picked me up and we went across the Bay Bridge and saw some doctors and a surgeon and they did some x-rays and they're like, okay, you know, you fractured this and they gave me a like black corset brace. I was like, okay, great. Um, I was doing some physical therapy working on it and the chiropractor basically told me, okay, if you have a fracture in your back, like I can't touch you. And um, I consider myself to be really lucky. So my fracture was not displaced and that's why my spine was not fused. And I had another MRI just to check on everything. And I officially had, so it's an L5 fracture and the pars part of the back of my vertebrae broke off. And then I have two herniated discs from L4 to S1. And I also have something called a Tarlar cyst at my S2, and it's grown about 10%. I haven't had an MRI in two and a half years. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of junk going on in my lower back, but I feel really lucky and really blessed because as someone who has basically one of the lowest levels of a spinal injury, that's why my quality of life is so functional in my legs. I have some numbness in my right foot. I have drop foot in both my feet and weakness in both my legs. But if you look at me compared to somebody who breaks their back here or up here, you can have total paralysis. So my, my injury is also obviously incomplete. So that's why I kind of have function still. The MRI findings were catastrophic to Wynette, who was preparing at this point to swim in college. Movement wasn't advised in her state, and suddenly, her entire life began to fall apart at the seams. So after my back, you know, I was 17, young athlete, um, wanted to do Ironmans, wanted to swim in college. And when I saw my first pain management doctor, he saved my life, but, but physically, but mentally, man, he... I thought before about like hitting them up, just like calling them and be like, hey, you know, this is where I'm at now. Like, this is how your words impacted me. Um, I appreciate the doctor who's legit and does not sugarcoat things. Like you need to tell me what's going on with my body and how I need to mentally prepare for the rest of my life. Um, but at the time my pain was awful. Like that was definitely the worst part of breaking my back is how painful it was. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, Dr. Lee, so when it when is this going to get better? You know what what's the move? And he said, um, "This is this is like a lifetime thing you're going to have to deal with." It's like, okay, well, you know, when when can I swim again? I want to compete. You know, like yeah. And he said, "I don't really think you're ever going to be able to swim again, and you're like I said, you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life." And I was just like, "What?" Like I could just imagine like the walls of my life have just like, and I was, what do I do with my life basically? Um, and at the time I was also angry. I'm like, well, dude, you know, I broke my back. Y'all should just fuse it. I, I wanted the spinal fusion, I really did. And I saw a couple different surgeons. I went to Johns Hopkins and they looked at it and they're like, okay, like we could do this, but we cannot guarantee it will make your pain better. And you're young. And basically they're like, okay, so 
you're so young, you know, fusion needs to be like a last resort. And I was so angry. When Ed started spiraling, up to this point in her life, she had spent more time in the pool than anywhere else on Earth. A world without swimming seemed inconceivable. She was in near constant physical pain, and mental anguish soon followed. In her mind, life would never be the same, and a world without freedom to swim wasn't worth living in. I wish I told people, but I didn't. And you know, that's, that's something I wish I did sooner. Um, and you know, one day came and I, I, I had a plan. I went and bought what I was gonna use and I began to go through with it. And then, you know, I thought about my dog, my family dog, and I thought about my little sister. And I was like, what if they are the ones who find me? And I had a relative who had a very serious attempt on her life. And the way that impacted me, I was like, I, I can't do that to them. And I'm glad I thought of that because at the time I kind of was just thinking about how bad my life was and all my issues and not how my actions could have impacted other people. So being up front that first year after my back injury, um, I was a hot mess. Like I, that's how I choose to describe it. Um, you know, I, I, I use a lot of humor with my trauma. That's just how I process things. Um, but I put so much of my identity in being an athlete so when that was taken away from me i felt lost like i lost my friend group i had to drop out of high school and do online school and i just didn't know how to function as a human being without being able to perform and a part of that too is i would eat a lot and i would sleep a lot and just overall my health like really declined i think at my worst i was sleeping 16 hours a day that was my worst day um and it was it was awful like high school was great my freshman sophomore year um i had the time of my life i loved swimming so much i would go i would drive in snowstorms i was like i am not missing practice i was one of those people where i got perfect practice attendance almost every year i i got my tonsils taken out and i showed up to practice like two days later and i would just kick a 25 to get that credit and then my coach would send me home. Is something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human in this world going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a positive way. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. This is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. If this sounds like something that could help you, there's a link in the show notes to get you started on your therapy journey. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Because finding a therapist is a little like dating. If you don't really fit with a therapist matched with you, it's easy and free to switch therapists without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. Click the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. That's betterhelp.com 
forward slash closer mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore? With Libro FM, you can pick from more than 325,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from real booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports your local community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. Listen with the free Libro FM app while you do chores, walk the dog, or relax at home. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations from the people who know best, booksellers. Closer Mentality has partnered with Libro FM on a special offer. Through the link in the show notes, you can get two audiobooks on Libro FM for the price of one with your first month of membership. Thanks to Libro FM for sponsoring this podcast. Are you an athlete rehabbing from an injury? Are you a coach or athletic trainer seeking additional support for your injured athlete toolkits? KT Tape has exactly what you need. KT Tape is a rehabilitation tape that helps stabilize and compress sensitive areas of the body during exercise. Apply KT Tape to an area either in pain or in recovery and feel the difference. KT Tape is comfortable, stable, and long-wearing. There's tape for all modes of action, from gentle, which is safe for easy activity and everyday use, to pro-extreme, for athletes in moderate to high-impact exercise. KT Tape makes water-resistant tape as well, for more adaptable rehabilitation implementation. KT Tape caters to lifelong athletes and focuses on reducing muscle soreness for all users when worn during exercise and up to 48 hours post. If you feel like you or your athletic department could use KT Tape, go to the link in the show notes. The links to BetterHelp.com, Libro FM, and KT Tape are all down in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the episode. 17-year-old Wynette withdrew from swimming and college recruiting altogether, and extenuating circumstances only served to make her life harder. I committed to swim at Loyola um, between herniated my my discs and breaking my back and then I had to decommit and when I did oh my goodness it was I remember that day because I called Brian coach Brian he's the coach there great guy and I was sitting in my parents bed just bawling I was like hey Brian like my back we're not sure what's happening but like it's I'm not getting better that first year was terrible but if I could go back and make a decision like break your back yes or no there's a piece of me who said, who would say, like, you know what, do it. After much discussion, Wynette continued pursuing college swimming for the Greyhounds, but pain and fatigue followed her to Baltimore, Maryland. It hurt to push herself, and swimming became physically taxing. And, you know, I said, hey, I just want to swim because it makes me feel good. I didn't even know the Paralympics existed the first couple months I was in college. I didn't know that was an option. So I kind of went back into the pool, like, I just want to feel better. Like maybe this will help with my joints. And then my rehabilitationist at Johns Hopkins actually really pushed it. Um, I had a lot of fear around swimming because like I said, it makes my pain worse. And I was scared I was hurting myself, but I also had really bad insomnia. And I was like, I am not going to do anything that makes me feel bad. And I like wrapped myself up in bubble wrap. And I was like, do not touch me. Do not get near me. So I, I was scared. 
So I kind of just went in like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then Ryan introduced me to para swimming and it's kind of like opened up my world again. So, but yeah, no, looking back on kind of that mental turmoil I went through for that year where I felt like my identity was gone. I never want to put myself in a place again where if I have another injury and I can't swim, I don't want to commit suicide. Wynette began her journey with para swimming almost immediately after that conversation with head coach Brian Leffler. So when I went to Loyola, you know, I, I had crutches at the time and I was on my crutches going to swim and, you know, I'd occasionally say hi to Brian, like, what's up? Um, and one day he's like, hey, you know, I've seen you swim. Um, I know you broke your back. You might be eligible for para swimming. It's like, really? Um, I don't remember if I like latched onto it really quick at first or if I was just like, okay, I'll look into this. Um, Cause that's kind of part of my personality. I, I don't know if it's kind of like a trauma response, but when something good happens to me, I'm almost like, is this really happening? Like, is this going to be taken away? So I was kind of like not getting my hopes up and just expecting the worst. He helped connect her with the appropriate national and international resources. But before Wynette could begin to reap the benefits of her newfound competition style, another diagnosis rocked her world. I went to Hopkins. I did rehab at Hopkins. I went to the Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore. So going to college at Loyola was such a blessing for me because the doctors there are amazing. And <clears throat> I, they did a bone scan to try to figure out, like, why would this young athlete, like, fracture her back falling out of a chair and eventually they kind of looked through my medical history and they're like okay we're gonna send you to a geneticist so i went and saw a geneticist at hopkins and i also have a condition called ehlers danlos syndrome and basically what it is is like my joints are awful and my intestines hate me <laughs> um in short but basically I have really hypermobile joints. So I sublux things, I dislocate things, I injure things easily. Um, my stomach also burst a couple years ago. So that was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a mixed bag. There's like a lot going on. Um, I've also heard I have degenerative disc disease in my lower spine and then I can never pronounce it, but it's like spondylolisthesis and it's basically like my bones are shifting with my disc. So like, I need to be better on the medical side. There's just a lot going on that I kind of forget. Yeah, no, I just pushed my body so hard and you know, not knowing I had Ehlers-Danlos, that was absolutely the worst thing I could have done for myself. I was in physical therapy so often, I kept getting injured and like, it just wrecked me. So now as an athlete with multiple disabilities, like, I have slowly like upped my training and learned how to like respect my body. And I definitely think where I am at now is kind of my breaking point. And you know, I'm respecting it. The EDS diagnosis answered all the questions Wynette had been attempting to piece together herself. Wynette, then a sophomore in college, realized she would have to dramatically adapt her swimming style to compensate for the acquired disabilities kind of my biggest advice if you have an acquired injury is, you know, you have to mourn the life. You have to mourn the life you lost. So if you just, you know, pretend everything's hunky-dory, everything's fine, maybe for some people that'll work, but you have to like really, really come to an acceptance. Like 
this is your life now, you know, what are you going to do with it? So I always say you need to mourn the life you lost, but it's really, really important to embrace the life you gained. And it's a lifelong thing. Like it's been quite a while. I don't really cry about things I can't do anymore, but like there was a time in my life where I would cry and like look at people and be like, I can't do that. I'm so mad. Like why, 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 why is this happening to me? Um, but you know, that's just, for me personally, that's not productive. If I sit around and make a list, like, okay, I can't run anymore. I can't ride a bike. Like the only pain-free day I've had was when I was on opioids after my stomach like burst. Like it just, that doesn't help me. You know, that kind of brings me back into that place of like, I don't know how to, cause I want to be sensitive to people's situations. But for me, I consider, there was a time in my life where I threw a pity party about myself. I was like, look at me, I'm Taylor with the broken back and like, my life is so bad, like, pity me, basically. That mindset changed when the Paris Women community began to embrace her. So Paris Women is really amazing because it includes basically every kind of disability. Um, there's physical impairments, visual impairments, and intellectual impairments. And for physical, there's 10 classifications. For visual, there's three, and then intellectual, there's one. Um, so obviously I'm a physical impairment and I'm considered an S10. So that means the kind of least disabled out of everyone who's qualified. Um, so I usually swim with girls who are hand amputees. There are a couple girls who have a couple fingers, but their wrists are fused or their arms are shorter, um, below the knee amputees on one leg. And then we also have girls with cerebral palsy, um, some who may have polio in one leg. And then we do have an old United States athlete who also had a spinal injury, who was an S9 and then classed as an S10. Um, and basically the lower you go, the more disabled you are. So an old friend of mine is actually one of the only girls in the whole world who's an S1. And she was born, she has Cauda Equina syndrome and then a couple other conditions. I don't know exactly, so I don't want to say and misspeak. Um, but she was born missing both of her legs and one arm. So she only has one arm. She has limited range of motion in her wrist and she has a couple fingers. So more severe impairment. So for people like me with spinal injuries, it is a huge continuum. So I am a lumbar spine injury and I'm incomplete. So usually people like me are, you know, between an S8 and an S10. I have a good friend who's an S8. Um, and usually the higher up you go, the more impaired you are. So I think one of our old swimmers, he broke his neck in a motorcycle accident. He might've been an S3 and he had partial paralysis from his, like his neck down. Her entrance into Paris swimming was met with unintended pushback as Wynette's disability severely morphed between types of strokes. The Paralympic governing body classified and reclassified her in fervent attempts to place her disability on a checklist. So I got nationally classified twice. Um, the first time we sat in the car for eight hours, me and my dad, and we get there and a big trigger for my pain was sitting. Like the first two years after my injury, I had these things I called butt pillows. They were like Tempur-Pedic, like little, donut hole thing. Like a lot of people after they give birth sit on these too, um, cause it's supposed to help alleviate like pressure. And yeah, I just, I, sitting was bad. Like I had an accommodation in college that I could go stand in the back of the classroom. 
and we get there and after sitting in the car for a while, I was in a lot of pain. And part of it is they have to test your range of motion and then your muscle strength. And I was struggling with them manipulating my spine and I was wincing and they basically said, hey, like we don't feel comfortable doing these tests. Like we don't want to hurt you. Basically, if you are in a more inflamed state, we, we can't do this. And I was like devastated. So we actually didn't go to the meet at all, made a beach trip out of it. And then they sent my file to um, the IPC in Germany, basically to determine, hey, like, are you eligible? Um, because Ehlers-Danlos is not a eligible condition. And I, I try to stay kind of neutral on it because I have a classifiable and an unclassifiable condition and I kind of don't want to stir the pot. Um, but I think EDS is on a scale. You know, some people have very mild EDS. And I, I have a friend who can't even walk because she's dislocated her knees so many times. She just doesn't have the cartilage. So, but currently it's not a classifiable condition. And as an active swimmer, you know, I'm supportive of that. And if they ever want to change that, you know, I'm open to that too. So I got nationally classified then a year or two later in 2019 um, in Ohio. So you go in there and they look through your medical paperwork. So for someone like me, I have three MRI reports. I have muscle testing from my physical therapist, my doctor, and then I wear leg braces. So my leg brace provider. And you go in there and they're like, okay, you have a classifiable condition. Mine is impaired muscle power. I also have poor, like less range of motion in my lower spine, um, but it's not severe enough to basically deduct points. And then you just go in there and they'll test your ankles, they'll test your knees, they'll test your hip flexors, basically anything that your lumbar spine pertains to. And they add them all up and then they put you in a category. So that's why I'm an S10. And then they throw you in the water and they'll watch you float, they'll watch you swim all four strokes. And usually, by then they know where you're at based on points, but sometimes people's a little different. So I got internationally classified in April and I stayed at 10 and they, they told me I'm more disabled in the water than I am on land. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, you're, you're the experts. But um, for amputees, it's a little easier. They just go in, they're like, yep, you don't have a leg. And then they'll like measure, they'll measure to make sure, cause there's some people who are partial amputees. So they'll measure like how long the limb is. And then there's short stature. So people with dwarfism or other, you know, osteogenesis imperfecta, they'll measure you and be like, okay, yeah, you're, you're four, four, you know, you're considered legally to have short stature. Um, and then there are other impairments like cerebral palsy. I have a friend with a traumatic brain injury, spasticity. Um, but yeah, I, when I think of it, the top three, like unclassifiable conditions or Ehlers-Danlos, um, anything to do with just pain. So like if you have complex regional pain syndrome and like, your hand is fused, but it's not like anatomical, if that makes sense, they don't count it. Um, and then I think like chronic fatigue syndrome. So if you just get tired quickly in the water, they don't really consider that to be an impairment. The introduction to para-swimming opened Winnett's eyes to disability representation, an area of elite competition she'd never been privy to. Competitors had disability aids to assist them on the slippery pool decks and accommodations like canes, scooters, and walkers for their physical disabilities. Wynette's spinal injury also produced whispers from Loyola teammates. She wasn't an amputee. Her chronic pain, although debilitating, wasn't perceived as, quote, severe enough, and she was chastised for it by her able-bodied teammates. In the moment, it really, really sucked. 
Um, I, I think kind of the most traumatizing thing for me that still impacts me is I had some girls who basically told me like, you know, I don't think you should try to do para-swimming just because, you know, you're really slow now and like you have pain, like just because you're not a good swimmer anymore doesn't mean you can like pretend to be disabled and like that really sucked. Like there was one girl who was like, well, I have a, some herniated discs in my back and I have no issues. And I was like, okay, like, good for you. Like I, everybody's different. Like I, my, my swim coach on base, my old swim coach, he actually broke his back in a similar area and he has no neurological deficits. So it, it, it impacts people very differently. Like I've seen people who've had seemingly worse injuries and have had their spines fused and they're, range of motion and strength is better than mine. And it's like, okay, well, what? But like, that's just, that's just the way it works. So like, yeah, no, college was rough. My freshman year was rough and it was something I've been still trying to work on. It's just being like more assertive. Wynette's spinal injury opened her eyes to the range of disability. Raised in a sheltered Pennsylvania household, Wynette never saw disability representation in elite athletics. I'm 100% honest about this. I had no disabled role models in my life. There was one girl in my class at Hershey who had cerebral palsy. And I will be honest, and this sounds terrible, I hate myself for thinking this, but as a child, I was scared of her. She scared me. Um, I don't know why, but you know, and I, I think back and I think, man, I was a bad child for thinking that. But some of it, too, is miseducation. So, like, when I have children, we may adopt kids with disabilities, we may not. But still, I want to buy them books with, you know, main characters in wheelchairs and show them TV and, like, talk about disabled people. Like, they are not contagious. They are not bad. Like, this did not happen to them because they're bad people. It's just kind of, you know, just a variation of life. You have people with brown hair and red hair. You have people with two legs, no legs. Like it's just the way life is sometimes. But yeah, no, I, I thought that no one would love me because I had a cane and I thought my life would suck forever because I was in pain. But I think as a society, when we address accessibility, we need to pretend that everybody's about to become disabled because until this world is accessible, like I'm ashamed to be a part of it. Like I have friends who are blind who go to restaurants and they need to ask strangers to read them the menu because they don't have a large print menu or a braille me menu. I have friends who use wheelchairs who can't go to certain places because they don't have an elevator. So it's like literally aspects of our society are inaccessible to people and thinking of all the money that the world spends on things, it does make me angry. Wynette was named to the Team USA Paralympics national team in 2022 and her acquired disability began to shine. The Federation classified her as an S10, SM10, and SB9, meaning she could competitively swim in the freestyle, backstroke, butterfly, and individual medley as a 10, and the breaststroke as a 9. She was named to the C standard team and began smashing S10 records. In May 2022, she broke the national record for the S10 50-meter backstroke. And I broke the record in 50 backs. So usually the records and events that are not swam at the Paralympics are not as fast or competitive, um, but they're still records. Um, 
and it was like a week or two and I was just new friends with this teammate. You know, I was messaging her on Instagram and I said, hey, we're close to this record. She's an S9 and I'm an S10. I'm like, how cool would it be if we broke it like together? Like, cause we're, since we're different classes, we can break records in the same heat and it both count. And she's, she was like, okay, you know, I don't remember exactly what she said. So we're getting ready to swim. And like, I'm looking over at her, like if there was a girl in between us, but in Bachelor, you can't even see people anyway. And, you know, I swam in and she's, like I said, amazingly gifted swimmer. And so she's like dominated me and I touched the wall and she's like, yeah, I've been here, you know, a good hour. And I like look and I broke it by like, I think just a 10th or a 20th or something. And it was just so much fun. Cause like, that was like just such a great moment for me. Cause it was like, yay, we did it. Breaking the United States record served to reinforce that Winnett's acquired disability didn't need to slow her down. It didn't need to diminish her love for swimming. She was still the same girl who grew up obsessed with the water, and chronic pain didn't have to stop her from achieving her goals. Yeah, no, I definitely think I'm privileged. And like I said, you know, I'm just happy to be here, honestly. Um, it's, a gr it's done so many great things for me. And, you know, given that my cyst has grown, my condition is considered slightly progressive, there is a chance that I can get worse over time. Um, but as of now, I'm just here to have a good time and we'll see if it's for a long time and I don't know. But definitely after my back, I see swimming instead of just like a social status and how can I look good for people and it's more so very therapeutic for me. Um, just when I'm having a bad day, it's being in the pool, I get to process my thoughts and it just makes my body feel good which is hard to explain because as someone with a chronic pain, it sometimes makes my pain worse. So physically I might feel worse, but mentally I feel better. And overall, I feel like physically, even if my acute pain is worse and my chronic pain is worse, I feel better. Now, Wynette has her sights set on Paris 2024. She just earned a bronze medal at US Paralympic Nationals in the 100 free and is ready for the next step in her swimming career. Thanks for listening to Taylor's Story in episode 83 of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellet. All of the links to resources this episode discussed are in the show notes. Thank you to Taylor Wynette for being so candid and vulnerable in sharing her story. You can watch more content from this episode on our social media accounts, at Closer Mental, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can watch Taylor and I's full interview on the Closer Mentality Uncensored YouTube channel. With that, see you next week.